If you would please open your Bibles to Romans chapter 5. It will be our scripture reading for this morning. Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5 in the Bible says, Therefore, verse 1, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also rejoice in our sufferings, because we know that suffering produces perseverance, and perseverance, character, and character, hope. In verse 5, and hope does not disappoint us, because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit, whom he has given us. It's a blessing to be here today. To our visitors, um, it's good to have you, to see you here with us. Thank you for taking the time uh, to come out and to worship God in spirit and in truth. To our members and families, um, thank you for being here to worship our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. There's a lot going on here in the lives uh, for the members and visitors here at Annapolis in our church body. So let's remember to continue to edify one another in the work of the Lord that we do here. Our bulletin has a few of the key important items that we know of today. Uh, plea uh, worship is still continuing on over at the Naval Academy. We had 10 uh, plebes that worshiped with us uh, this morning. And thanks to all those that have uh, given of their time, efforts, and energies to make that happen. We've got a congregational meeting that's coming up. We need to be praying uh, for that effort, as Mitch did uh, in his earlier prayer. Please remember that as we discuss uh, our eldership, potential eldership and leadership of the congregation here at the Annapolis Church. Uh, we want to thank Lisa Hinton for hosting the Widows. The widows is such an important work here at Annapolis. To the Knox family, uh, congratulations on another addition. And um, as Mitch also mentioned, uh, Wanda Elchick, there's a lot going on here at our church and in our lives. School starts back here coming up in the next couple of weeks for our, uh, those that are still um, in school and we've got those that are going off to college uh, coming up here all in the next couple of uh, weeks. So let's be praying for that. Um, let's also continue to remember Miss Eloise Oviat and the family there. We had a wonderful, a powerful, uh, mighty celebration of life for her last weekend of which she kind of really left the message for us to remember to follow God. That was a message that she left to each one of those that were standing beside her bedside when she passed. Um, and that was something that was stressed last week. It was a wonderful, uh, mighty, powerful celebration. If, if you would, uh, turn over to the book of Hebrews, chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10. And while you're doing that, I'm going to read just a short funny story some of you may have heard it pulling by himself is the title an out-of-state driver was going a little fast around a turn a bend in a road and had driven her car into a ditch in a remote area of the countryside I'm from the great state of Tennessee and there's a lot of countryside there 
just like it is all over America. A local farmer came along and observed the situation and asked if the lady wanted some help. And so, with his big, strong horse named Buddy, he pulled along in front of the car. After hitching Buddy up to the front of the car, he yelled, pull, Nellie, pull. Buddy stood still. He said, pull, Coco, pull, the farmer said. But Buddy stood still. He said, pull, Buster, pull. And again, Buddy didn't move an inch. The farmer nonchalantly said, pull, Buddy, pull. And the horse easily dragged the car out of the ditch. The traveler was extremely thankful, but very curious. She asked the farmer why he had called uh, the horse by, by the wrong name three times. The farmer said, oh, Buddy is blind. And if he had thought he was the only one pulling, he wouldn't even try. <laughs> Sad, but sometimes that's how folks, that's the way folks are. We need to be pulling together and do what God wants us to do to get to heaven. And so Romans chapter 14 verse 19 Tells us, let us therefore make every effort to do what uh, to uh, make every effort to do what leads to peace and to mutual edification. Paul is teaching us to edify one another, the building up of the soul. To teach, he's teaching us in a way that he wants us to teach in a way that improves our mind and our character. Romans chapter 5, Paul tells the Romans there about peace, about joy, about happiness, about sufferings, hope, love, death. I want to reread Romans 5, verse 1 through 5, and I want to take it just a little bit further. If you would, reread with me. I know I had you turn over to Hebrews, but if you can get back to uh, Romans. That was the scripture that we read as we started. Therefore, since we have justified, have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into his grace. We gain access into his grace in which we now stand, Paul says. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. In verse 3, not only so, but we also rejoice in our sufferings. So I ask you the question, do you rejoice in your sufferings? Do you understand why you may be having hardship in life? Well, the Bible tells us, Paul tells us here, but we also rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering does something for us as his children. As God's children, suffering produces something for us. The Bible tells us it produces perseverance. And in verse 4, it says perseverance does something for us. It produces character. And character produces hope. In verse 5, and hope does not disappoint us. We can be disappointed in a lot of things in life. It's been referred to today already. Disappointment happens. But hope does not disappoint us because God has poured out his love. He's poured out his love where? 
He's poured out his love in our hearts by the Holy Spirit, whom he has given us. And then a little bit further in verse 6. You see, at just the right time, the Bible tells us when we were still powerless, Christ did something for us. He died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous man, though for a good man someone might possibly dare to die. And in verse 8, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. When we understand God's love for us, it compels us to act. It compels us to be. It compels us to give. It compels us to be the people of character that God would want us to be. It, com it compels us to be the people of hope in the Lord. And it compels us to edify one another. So, if you would, turn with me to Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10. We're going to start in verse 19 and read down through 25. The Bible reads, Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the most high place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain, that is, his body. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, Verse 22, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Verse 23, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess for he who promises is faithful. Verse 24, and let us consider how we may Spur one another on toward love and good deeds. In verse 25, let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another and all the more as we see the day approaching. For the next few minutes, we're going to springboard from this passage on the subject, Be Encouraged. Be encouraged. We live in a world of hardship. We live in a world of challenge, of death, of suffering. We live in a world where we're rushing all around, where digits are moving by the nanosecond, where accidents are happening, where sin is occurring around us and sometimes within us, where disease is present where loneliness and depression we sometimes have to live with, with drugs and a world with drugs and alcohol and on and on and on. You, me, we live with real issues in our lives, active issues, living issues. And so they're very personal issues from time to time that must be dealt with in accordance with God's word. And so the good news is our issues can be addressed 
and we can be encouraged. Look at the word in Hebrews chapter 4, if you will. Turn back a couple of, of verses, of, of chapters. Hebrews chapter 4, in verse 12. If we know we have active issues in our lives, if we know we have living issues in our lives, how do we deal with that? The Bible teaches us in Hebrews chapter 4, the Hebrew writer says in chapter 4, verse 12, the, for the word of God is living and active. Sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit. Joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we have to give an account. So if you have active issues and you have living issues in your life, how do you deal with that? You deal with that with an active and a living word. And so over in Hebrews, we see it teaches us from a history perspective about the early Jewish Christians who were struggling with their new faith, with their issues, with their personal issues of life. They were evaluating this idea of Christianity. They were evaluating Jesus Christ. They were trying to fully understand the practical implications of following Christ. What was this new covenant? They had a lot of challenges to deal with, a lot of challenges that had to be addressed. And so by the time we get to chapter 10, they had already, uh, there, there had already been an attempt to establish the superiority of Christ in the earlier chapters. Him being above all, above all the angels, above Moses, and above the Old Testament priesthood and the first covenant regulations of worship. Look back in chapter 10, just before, excuse me, in chapter 9, just before we, got, we get to chapter 10. You'll see from chapter 10 where it says in verse 19, Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus. Well, what is that talking about there? If you go back to chapter 9, you can read about this first covenant and the regulations of worship and, that, that existed uh, back during the early time. In verse 9, it's in chapter 9, uh, verse 1, of Hebrews, it says, now the first covenant had regulations for worship and also an early sanctuary. A tabernacle was set up. In, it, in its first room was the lampstand, the table, and the consecrated bread. This was called the holy place. Behind the second curtain was the room called the most holy place, which had the golden altar and incense and the gold-covered ark of the covenant. This ark contained the gold jar of manna, Aaron's staff that had, that had budded and the stone tablets of the covenant. Verse 5, above the ark were the cherubim of the, uh, of the glory overshadowing the atonement cover. But we cannot discuss these things in detail now. And you can go on and read more and more about the worship during the first covenant. And so now they're coming to this term of this new covenant. How do they deal with that? How do they deal with uh, this idea of there's this most holy place, but it says in 
chapter 10, verse 19, by the blood of Jesus. And so in verse 20 of chapter 10, by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain, that is, his body. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, it goes on to give us point number one. To be an encourager, and to be encouraged, the Bible teaches us in chapter 10, verse 22. It says, when you're heart stricken, when you have problems in life, what you have to do as his child. In verse 22, the Hebrew writer says, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith. When we're out there and things are troubling us, we have to know as his children, point number one, we have to draw near to God. Well, what else in this life of, of being encouraged must we do? If you look in verse 23, the Hebrew writer offers us a second item that's important to us. As we draw near to God, we also, it says in verse 23, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. For he who promised is faithful. When you're having trouble, the Bible tells us not only do we need to draw near to God, but number two, point number two, we've got to hold unswervingly. We have got to persevere in life. We have to hold fast to the faith of which we believe in God. The Bible goes on, the Hebrew writer goes on to say in verse 24, and let us consider how we may spur one another. Point number three. Not only are we to draw near to God, not only are we to persevere and hold unswervingly, but also point number three, we're to spur one another on. And verse 25 goes on, let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another. If you want to be encouraged as a Christian, encourage someone else. Take the time to be involved in someone else's life to encourage them. And so the Hebrew writer goes on in verse uh, 32 of chapter 10, and he goes back and he talks about, as he's talking to these folks, the Jewish Christians, he's saying, remember these things. He says in verse 32, remember those early days after you had received the light, when you stood your ground in a great contest in the face of suffering. Sometimes you were publicly exposed to insult and to persecution. At other times, you stood side by side those who were treated as such. You sympathized with those in prison and joyfully accepted the confiscation of your property because you knew that you yourselves had better and lasting professions, possessions. Excuse me. And verse 35, so do not throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. You need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. And in verse 39, it says, but we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who believe and are saved. And so the question to you today is, do you shrink back or do you believe? 
in chapter 11, all of this sets up the wonderful scripture that we see, the wonderful chapters we know as the, the hall of faith. We see the, the, the Hebrew writer tell us about the faith of Abel, the faith of Enoch, the faith of Noah. And I want to end today with a little bit better understanding of this idea, the faith of Noah, when warned about things not yet seen, in holy fear built an ark to save his family. By his faith, he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. The last passage of scripture that I want us to look at, turn back over with me real quickly to Genesis. Genesis Genesis chapter 6. You all know the story for the most part. In Genesis chapter 6, the Bible tells us, The Lord saw how great man's wickedness on the earth had become, and that every inclination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil all the time. The Lord was grieved that he had made man on the earth, and his heart was filled with pain. Verse 8. But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. In verse 11, now the earth was corrupted in God's sight and was full of violence. And you know what happened. What happened? There was a great rain. The, the earth was flooded. And you see all of that in, verse, in chapter 7, in chapters 8. You see the waters flooded the earth for 150 days. But I don't want us to just stop there. I want us to conclude today looking at the repopulation of earth that you see in chapter 9. Because out of hardship, you look at how, God, how good God is. How good God is to each and every one of us. Out of the flood, God delivers. Out of Jesus, God delivers. In, verse, in chapter 9, verse 1 of Genesis, the Bible says, Then God blessed Noah and his sons, saying to them, Be fruitful and increase in, the number, in number and fill the earth. Verse 7, as, uh, as for you, be fruitful and increase in number. Multiply on the earth and increase upon it. Verse 8, you're starting to see now these, the word of the covenant. Then God said to Noah, and to his sons with him. I now establish my covenant with you and with your descendants after you. Verse 10, and with every living creature that was with you, the birds, the living stock, the livestock, and all the wild animals, all those that came out of the ark. Going down, never again will all life be cut off by the waters of a flood. Never again, the Bible says, will there be a flood to destroy the earth. While in the Old Testament we see a great flood that destroyed the earth, the good news for us is there's a great flood going on today, yes? It looks wonderful and feels great outside, but there's a great flood that's going on today. And that great flood is Jesus' blood. It floods us every single day that we live. And so in verse 14, whenever I bring clouds over the earth and the rainbow appears in, the, appears 
in the clouds. I will remember my covenant between me and you and all living creatures of every kind. Never again will the waters become the flood to destroy all life. Whenever the rainbow appears in the clouds, I will see it and remember the everlasting covenant between God and all living creatures of every kind on the earth. So God said to Noah, this is the sign of the covenant I have established between me and all life on the earth. Still to today, we see rainbows out there. We chase after the pot of gold that comes in the end. But there's still rainbows out there. When you look at a rainbow moving forward, remember the blood of Jesus Christ because that is the flood that we need in our lives. And so the lesson is yours today. We offer you an invitation of hearing the gospel that Jesus came to this earth, that he lived, that he died, that he rose again on the third day, that he lives at the right hand of the Father of believing that message, that gospel, of repent, for the repent, believing the message and repenting of your sins, which means to change, not do the things the old way, do the things the way God has aligned them in his word. Confessing that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, being baptized for the remission of sins, and living a life that's in alignment with God each and every day that you live. Does that mean we're not going to make mistakes? No, it doesn't mean that. But what it does mean is that we get up. We recognize that the word is active. The word is living. And because the word is active and living in our lives, we today can, be, can discipline ourselves and be in alignment with what God would, who God would want us to be. The message is yours as we together stand and sing the song of invitation. <laughs>